Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Mike Rosenberg from Columbia Credit Union. Mike says they trust what they see and hear on OPB, and that aligns with Columbia Credit Union's brand. From the Gert Boyle studio at OPB, this is Think Out Loud. I'm Dave Miller. We turn now to wage theft. It's the job of the Oregon Bureau of Labor and Industries to investigate claims of wage theft and, if they're substantiated, recover the money. Since 2015, the agency has ordered employers to pay about $12 million in back wages and penalties, but almost half of that was never recovered. That's according to a new analysis from Investigate West. Kaylee Tournay is an investigative reporter with the nonprofit News Source, and she joins us with more details. Welcome to the show. Hi, Dave. Thanks. Glad to be here. It's great to have you on. I want to start with the basics. What happens when someone files a wage theft claim? Yeah, so um, investigators with the Wage and Hour Division uh, at Oregon's Bureau of Labor and Industries uh, process the claim and begin to uh, sort of look for evidence um, from both the <clears throat> worker who filed the claim and um, and they'll also be in touch with the employer to notify them that there is a claim uh, against the the business for unpaid wages and um, they use you know that evidence and, and interviews to determine whether wages are in fact owed to the worker and then they begin the process of of communicating with the employer about how that that claim can be resolved and it can go a lot of different directions at that point. Hmm. What industries are the biggest offenders? For biggest offenders, um, the biggest was actually a really large kind of catch-all term of uh, miscellaneous business services, which can include a lot of different industries from sort of landscaping and janitorial work to, um, I think, a lot of kind of administrative support services. Um, we also saw high rates of wage theft in uh, various aspects of the construction industry and uh, restaurants, cafes, those sorts of businesses as well. The big number that stands out from your reporting is that about $5 million in unpaid wages and fees that the agency ordered to be paid back were not paid. What are the most common ways that employers get out of paying this money? Yeah, there are a, really a variety of ways, and it kind of depends on what sort of employer you're dealing with. Um, some Sometimes it is a situation where um, the employer has gone out of business and there are there's no longer income coming in. And often those are cases where, you know, final paychecks either bounced or were never sent to the worker after, you know, they were laid off or, or terminated. And so... Um, so bankruptcy and you know the closure of a business are are, are pretty common uh, issue uh, issues that lead to the worker not ever receiving money from the employer at least. Um, but other times, you uh, the bureau is dealing with employers that know how to, in in essence, hide their assets, their income, their property from being able to be seized upon, even though they still possess it, they know how to, you know, change the business's name, move um, either, you know, across state lines or move the business. Um, so there's kind of a variety of ways that an employer can um, 
hide their assets as well, even though they may still be getting income or have something that could be seized upon to help make a worker whole. If the company doesn't pay this money, are employees ever made whole? There are definitely situations where workers can still get their money. And that is because of the wage security fund, which um, Oregon has a, a pretty robust and healthy wage security fund, which was established in the 80s to um, make workers whole, specifically in these situations when an employer goes bankrupt and they, they really have no ability to pay. Um, Oregon has also changed its policies around the wage security fund where more workers are able to access it now, even if the employer is um, still in operation. Uh, Bully has the ability to use the wage security fund to make the worker whole, even while they go about still trying to collect on the debt. Um, but it just means that the worker doesn't have to wait as long because that often um, you know, is enough to just kind of make someone want to drop their claim, basically. Hmm. You know something important, if depressing, which is that Oregon is not alone in having a high percentage of uncollected wage theft claims. What does the national picture look like? Yeah, so um, we referenced one analysis in our reporting that was done by Politico, which looked at about 15 different state agencies, and their rate was right in line with Oregon's, where about 41% of um, wages were being, of owed wages and penalties were being collected. And, you know, the majority, 59% was was not being collected. And so this is a really common uh, part of enforcement of wage and hour laws that is remains really difficult for uh, labor agencies to, uh, you know, improve upon, basically. I want to turn to steps that some states are taking to improve their own processes of recovering this money. What's happening in New Jersey? Yeah, so New Jersey um, uh, passed a pretty kind of aggressive um, series of laws, I believe it was in 2021 um, or 2019 for for New Jersey um, that, you know, allowed the state to um, revoke business licenses over unpaid wage theft. And it also added uh, criminal penalties where employers can even be prosecuted, pay fines, um, even face jail time for for wage theft. Um, and so that is a pretty, you know, strong piece of legislation. Um, certainly the criminalization of wage theft, there's, you know, disagreement kind of about whether that's a good idea or not, but it's a direction that some states like New Jersey have moved in. Hmm. What about Washington state? What did lawmakers there do in 2021? Yeah, so we uh, talked about Washington's um, embrace of what's called a prejudgment wage lien. And basically the lien um, is something that workers can get on an employer's property, their assets, um, even before a final judgment on their claim is issued. Because a judgment can take a while, sometimes months, sometimes weeks. um, And what that lien does is keeps the employer's property from being able to just be sold off or hidden in the same way so that if you know, the worker gets a judgment in their favor, they're able, they have a higher likelihood of being able to actually use the employer's assets to be made whole. Um, Yeah. So just kind of 
prevents uh, those assets from being hidden during that lengthy process of the judgment and collection. If you're just tuning in, we're talking right now about wage theft in Oregon and the fact that the state hasn't collected millions of dollars of unpaid wages and fines from employers. Are there efforts underway right now to give Oregon's labor laws more teeth? There's definitely legislators who are are engaged on the topic. Um, We spoke with Representative Paul Holby from uh, Eugene, and, um, you know, I know he's really engaged on the topic. We looked at a a bill that he had introduced um, in the past legislative session, which um, dealt specifically with um, contractors and subcontractors in the construction industry and the idea of uh, contractors being uh, able to be liable for any unpaid sort of wages and wage theft by um, any of the subcontractors they hire, which Representative Holby told me is the case when it comes to prevailing wage rate cases, um, sort of a separate issue. But that bill um, didn't get uh, you know passed the House, but then um, during the walkout of the Senate, And those weeks, um, the bill ended up uh, dying in the Senate. And so uh, he told us that he's working with colleagues in the Senate to uh, introduce that bill again uh, in the 2024 session um, and uh, to introduce it in the Senate because, uh, you know, there's a greater likelihood that it'll pass the House once it passes the Senate since it's done so in the past. You did note, speaking of, of the criminal side of this, that since March of 2022, Boley has had an agreement with the Multnomah County District Attorney's Office to explore criminal prosecutions of wage theft. But as of October of this year, that office, the DA's office, hadn't brought any cases. Why not? That is a good question. And to be honest, I did not... Um, get a chance to ask the district attorney's office that question, and Bowley didn't really speak to it. Um, but I feel like that is a good thing to follow up on for some future pieces, which you know we're planning to write some more about this topic. So maybe that's a stay tuned question. All right, I will stay tuned for that. You do point out that there's there's been an increase in wage theft claims in recent years. Did anyone you talked to have an explanation as to why? Yeah, so um, the administrator uh, for the wage and hour division, who was very helpful um, in explaining a lot of what was going on in this data and sort of the the rules and laws around this topic, uh, told me that a couple of years ago during the uh, when the pandemic, uh, early days of the pandemic, the filing form uh, to file a wage claim, um, I can't remember if it, there was any version to do it online before. They they basically made it easier to file a claim online um, rather than having to do it on paper or in person or, or something like that. So the form is very accessible now to workers, which is a good thing, um, obviously, for you know workers that are looking to recover their wages. It's good that that's accessible. But they have seen a marked increase Um and and part of that, um, at least part of that, they think is attributable to just the the, the fact that the claim is uh, the claim form is easier to access for workers now. Hmm. But at the same time, you reported that 
Oregon staff of wage investigators decreased between 2000 and 2019, and we have something like half the investigators per capita that Washington has. What does that mean in terms of just their ability to do investigations? I mean, if we, you know, think about it logically with one investigator who is, you know, in theory sort of responsible for um, looking out for, uh, you know, 200,000 workers in Oregon, that is going to necessarily mean someone is having a lot more on their plate um, just in sheer volume of uh, wage claims. And that from what I was told by the division administrator, that does have an effect on the extent to which these investigators and bully staff can be creative about trying to go after these wages. You know, it's important for me to note that collections, once the debt has been, you know, gone, once they've gone through the whole process and we're at the point of like collecting on debt, that is the Department of Revenue that handles it at that point. But Bully is still like involved with, you know, the claim up until that point. And sort of there's a person who monitors collections um, and how things are going with the Department of Revenue. So all of that to say that it absolutely makes a difference on how much attention each wage claim can get when you have so much on your plate. The bottom line here is that many employers in Oregon are getting away with not paying their employees for the work their employees have done. What did you hear about what that means for employers who are playing by the rules? I mean, it really puts them at a disadvantage because um, it's going to be cheaper <laughs> for for me as an employer to provide my goods and services to a customer if I know that I'm not going to be paying my workers um, everything that they're earning, as opposed to an you know an employer that does comply with wage and hour laws. They're they're it's going to affect their ability to compete. And so, you know, that's definitely a big piece of this in addition to the impacts that it has on workers when, um, you know, their employers aren't going to be held accountable for wage theft. It also affects the worker, the employers who are, you know, striving to be in compliance with these laws and want to be fair to their workers. And it puts them at a real disadvantage. Kaylee, thanks very much. Thank you. Kaylee Tournay is an investigative reporter with Investigate West. It's a a nonprofit news outlet covering the Pacific Northwest. So much of what we talk about on this show has to do with what's happening right now. But there's a lot of history behind these conversations. OPB's Salmon Wars podcast will give you insights into some of that history. It tells the story of one Yakima Nation family that's been fighting for salmon in the Columbia River across generations. Find Salmon Wars wherever you listen to podcasts.